My name is John, and I am one of the pastors at Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. I want to welcome you to a mini-series that we call Sermon Redo. And Sermon Redo is really just an opportunity to go back and revisit some of the concepts and topics and themes from the previous week's sermon. Sometimes those will be things that weren't addressed in the text. Other times, there'll be topics that came up in small group or something that someone sent to me via text or email um, as they've gone through the Bible reading plan for that particular week or as they've thought through the sermon more. Uh, This past week, we read kind of through the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And the the title of that message was God Honors Faithfulness. And this Ruth sermon really fits within the larger context of what we're talking about um, as of with Christmas uh, this year. Unto us a son is born is our, is our theme. And really what we see in the Old Testament is that throughout the Old Testament there are, there are sons that are promised, there are people that are promised, and oftentimes we, the, the people in the Old Testament put their hope and their trust in those people. And what we frequently see is those people uh, are just people, and they're not able to fulfill all of the hopes, all of the dreams um, that people have really projected onto them. And the first week of the series, we talked about Abraham, and uh, the second week, we talked about Ruth, uh, the book of Ruth, as I said. And the book of Ruth really um, really is an interesting book. It begins um, by telling us that it takes place at the time of Judges. So if we were to flip back a page in my Bible, we would see at the end of the book of Judges, it says this, In those days Israel had no king, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And what I would encourage you to do is go back and read through the book of Judges. We did a sermon series on the book of Judges a few years ago, and it was a time of just, it was kind of a disaster. You know, people doing whatever is right in their own eyes never works out in the way they think it's going to. Um, And the book of Judges really details what happens when people reject God and follow their own way. And it was a really hard time. It was a time of um, intense chaos and intense pain, especially for women, um, especially for the most marginalized people in um, Jewish society at that time. And so the book of Ruth begins by, by setting this stage where this is taking place during that. And what's interesting, as we go through the book, we find that um, there was actually something good happening, happening in Israel, in Judah during this time. And the book of Ruth tells us that. So it begins by telling us that um, there's a severe famine in the land, and there's a man in from Bethlehem who left his home and went to the country of Moab, taking his wife and his two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech. The wife's name was Naomi. She has two sons, Mahalon and Kilion. Um, they get to Moab. They settle there. And at some point in, in their time there, her husband Elimelech dies. And then she has these two sons who then marry two Moabite women. Uh, One of them is named Orpah, the other is named Ruth, and about 10 years later, both of her sons also die. So the text tells us, this left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. And the way we talked about that on Sunday was, this is really a disaster for Naomi. 
um, all of the things maybe that that she had put her hope and her trust in in terms of going to Moab and finding food and and finding a life there and finding wives for her sons. Um, it really, uh, it, it's just really a disaster. And we all know people. Maybe we are some of those people. We all know people who have who have lost a spouse. Uh, we know people who have lost children, and that really sets up what's taking place um, throughout the rest of this book. So Naomi finds out that um, that there's actually food back in Judah. So she and her two daughters-in-law start to return to Judah. At some point on the trip. Naomi t- turns and tells the girls, hey, you should just go home. You should just go back and um, says, you know, if I even if I were even if I were to marry someone else um, and were to get pregnant now and have sons uh, or you're not going to wait around for them. And this is really kind of Jewish culture, Old Testament history, um, Old Testament systems and structures that God has put into place to care for his people. Um, Orpah returns home to Moab, but Ruth says something else. She says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and I will be buried. So Naomi sees that Ruth has faith and is determined to go where she goes. So she returns back to Bethlehem in Judah. And when she arrives, um, all of the people, all of the women in particular, um, are excited. Is this really Naomi? And uh, Naomi's response is this, don't call me Naomi. Now we need to know that Naomi means pleasant. Um, don't call me Naomi, instead call me Mara. Mara means bitter, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. So one of the things that I said on Sunday was that one of the ways that Naomi shows faith is by being honest in her circumstance. Now we had a lot of discussion about this in small group. Why would we? Why would I say that? Why would I? Why would I say that Naomi is showing faith by being honest in her circumstance? She continues. Um, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi pleasant when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So how does this show faith? Um, this is lament in its best sense. If we were to if we were to read through the Psalms, we would see Psalms of lament. We would see people being open. We would see people being honest about their situations and circumstances. And it is only in those moments when we are open and honest that we can receive both from God mercy and grace and from others mercy and grace. So this is an indication of Naomi's faithfulness. She's not, she's not afraid or ashamed or embarrassed to tell her situation and circumstance. She's not, she's not worried about what other people are going to think of her. Um, she is, she is the person who is just being honest. And this, at least in my mind, demonstrates faithfulness. Because I think we all know people, and this is something I talked about on Sunday, we all know people who, when they're going through a hard time, their response is, I'm fine. Or sometimes they might demonstrate emotions like this. And really what they're looking for is approval and affirmation. And they're looking for other people to come and say, oh, it's not so bad. And they're demonstrating neediness. But we don't really see that 
here. And maybe that's a, maybe that's a loaded statement. Maybe, maybe you think I'm reading a little bit too much into the text. But what's interesting, if we, if we turn the page, for me it's turning the page from chapter 1 to chapter 2, we see, um, we see kind of a different, different situation in terms of her not just wanting people to feel sorry for her. Um, Naomi doesn't just think about herself. She's not so caught up and wrapped up in her own situation. The, the note that I made the other night was she's not just thinking of herself. She's not just thinking of her own redemption, of her own needs and wants and desires, but she's really thinking about someone else. And we know that. So in chapter 2, um, chapter 2 begins by telling us, Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. And Naomi says, okay, go ahead and do that. And as we kind of read through the rest of chapter two and into chapter three, what we see from Naomi is someone who is just not, she's just not wrapped up in her own circumstance. She is thinking about Ruth and her circumstance. She is thinking about who is Ruth going to marry. She is thinking about what's best for Ruth in this situation. And I really feel like this is an important thing for us to consider. Each one of us certainly has times of hardship. Each one of us certainly has times where where the realities of life press on us. And I think that Ruth is really demonstrating for us something here that we could all learn from. Certainly, I could learn from this. It's easy for me to be wrapped up in, oh, woe is me. I feel so bad this is happening. Poor me. Um, Now, as we read through Psalms of Lament, we do see God being accused. We do see God being blamed. In the book of Job, we see God being accused. We see God being blamed. And Naomi seems to be doing that same thing. And one of the things that I want to encourage you on as you think about that is, um, you know, God can take it. We don't always feel loved by God. When we face difficult times, we don't always feel loved by God. That doesn't mean we're not loved by God. It just means that we don't always feel loved by God. And as we look throughout Scripture, we see that our response in those moments is to be honest. We see that our response in those moments is to talk about them. But again, Naomi talks about them in a way where she's not just focusing on herself. We've all seen that friend's post on social media that is a woe is me where their focus is all on themselves. And that is not um, Naomi's situation. Um, One of the things that I wrote down based on our small group on Tuesday was this. Um, Naomi is differentiated. She does not project her pain on other people. She strongly desires their good regardless of her own circumstances. That's incredible. You know, if I, if I lost my wife and I lost my children, I think I would be tempted to project my pain um, onto other people. 
I think I would be tempted to um, to not necessarily to desire the good of other people. And I and I say this not because I'm proud of it, um, but because I'm a human being. Um, I would I would wonder where God was. I think that's normal. I would desire for God to fill me. I would desire for God to complete me. I think all of those things are normal and true. But what we see is as we read through chapter 2 and most of the way through chapter 3, what we find in the person of Naomi is a desire for the good of other people. She's constantly setting Ruth up for success. She's constantly filled with the desire to see Ruth be complete, to see Ruth be whole. Naomi's not looking for something that she is going to get out of anything. What she is concerned about, what she has her mind on, is the person of Ruth. And I really feel like this is something that we can learn a lot from. Now, one of the things that I wish I had talked more about on Sunday was this idea of the kinsman redeemer. And this too is an Old Testament system and structure that's put into place. So, so Naomi, um, Naomi, her husband died and her two sons um, passed away and someone was supposed to take care of Naomi. In fact, it would be, um, if Elimelech had had a brother, it would have been Elimelech's responsibility or Elimelech's brother's responsibility to be the kinsman redeemer for Naomi. So he would have had to, he would have had to, we'll just use that word, he would have had to come along and he would have had to marry Naomi, provide children. Um, He would have had to, um, yeah, they would have had, they would have had kids together. And that first child, if it were a male, um, that were born would have essentially been Elimelech's son, even though Elimelech was dead and Elimelech's brother was the father. Essentially, it would have been Elimelech's son. So Elimelech's son would have inherited everything that Elimelech had. Ever would have inherited everything that Naomi had. So this system was really baked into. Um, Jewish thought and Jewish understanding um, in the Old Testament. So when we read that kinsman redeemer, that's really what we're talking about. Someone is going to come along who is a close relative of Naomi and was supposed to marry her. She would have a child with this person. And again, that child would be seen and would be understood as Elimelech's um, child. So this was a really big deal there. Um, Naomi knows um, we, we kind of did the math in our small group the other night. Um, Naomi's probably 50, 55, maybe a little bit older at this point. So she is not having any more kids. So then the solution becomes for Ruth to marry this kinsman redeemer, for Ruth to be redeemed by this kinsman redeemer who would then provide a child and that child essentially would be Naomi's child, which is why at the end of Ruth, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here, which is why at the end of Ruth, um, Ruth 4.17, Naomi took the baby that, but I know I'm giving away the end of the story, that Boaz and Ruth have. Naomi took the baby, cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. 
So, based on this understanding of the kinsman redeemer, Ruth and Boaz's first child is essentially seen as Naomi's child. Okay? So that's kind of that kinsman redeemer piece. One of the things that, um, that came up in our small group that I, that I wanted to touch on um, is when we get into chapter 3, we have this odd to us scene where, where Boaz is asleep and Ruth comes in and she uncovers his feet to wake him up. He wakes up and she's there and he's trying to figure out, like, why is this woman here? What's going on here? And we just need to remember that, um, that there's nothing sexual about this. There's nothing inappropriate about this. Um, Ruth tells him as much, spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. So she knows that Boaz is the family redeemer and that's what she wants from him. Um, She doesn't want anything inappropriate from him. She wants her family to be redeemed. She wants Naomi to be redeemed. And I think as we were discussing this the other night, and as I've kind of reread this a number of times, I really think that Ruth approaches Boaz as her redeemer confidently in the same way that we are to approach Jesus. Now, how can Ruth approach Boaz so confidently? Because she knows his character. Um, If we were to read through chapter two, we would see that chapter two takes place over a series of months. And Ruth in this time has learned the character of Boaz. She she trusts the character of Boaz. So she is able to approach Boaz confidently that he is going to take care of her, that he's not going to do something that he shouldn't do with her because she knows his character. And this really reminds me of Hebrews um, chapter 6, verse 16 that I want to um, read to you. It's one of my favorite texts. Um, sometime I'll have it memorized. Um, so Hebrews um, six sixteen, which is not the verse I was thinking of. It's actually it's um, it's four fourteen to sixteen. It says this. So then, since we have such a great high priest who's entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses because he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Then we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Man, Ruth is such a great picture of that. Coming boldly to Boaz, to the feet of Boaz, as we would come to the feet of Jesus on his throne and throw ourselves at at his mercy um, because we know his character. Um, The last thing I want to talk about briefly in the time that I have left, if you watched or you you did the Bible reading plan this week that Westway um, shared with you, they talked about Ruth being infertile. And maybe maybe you wondered about that. I certainly wondered about that when I when I when when they talked about that in the text. But what's interesting is as soon as they mentioned that, I I thought back to earlier in the week when the pastors had talked about the text. In Ruth 4, verse 13, after Ruth and Boaz get married and and they're starting to the fairy tale uh, wedding takes place. 
Ruth 4.13 says this, So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. I remember when I read that as I was preparing for this sermon, just that phrase, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. You know, we don't know for certain that Ruth was infertile. We know that Ruth was married to one of Naomi's sons for years and years and years and years, at least 10 years, according to Ruth chapter one, and they didn't have a child. And I'm wondering if they didn't have a child because Ruth was infertile. You know, if we were to flip back through earlier books and earlier chapters of the Old Testament, um, we would see a number of women who were not able to bear a child. And it was only because of the intervention of God that they were. So do we know that Ruth was infertile? No, we don't. Can we infer that Ruth was infertile? I think we can based on what 4.13 says. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about today. I just wanted to unpack a little bit more details, um, especially of the faithfulness in being open and honest um, before God. I wanted to talk a little bit more about kinsman redeemer, and I wanted to talk a little bit more about this idea of whether or not Ruth was infertile based on what the text tells us. In all of these things, I want to encourage you um, that when we're reading the Bible, I want you to incur- I want to encourage you to dig deeply into the text. One of my favorite things that that kind of came out in that Bible reading plan this week, and I'm going to close with this, was was it began with the context of the time of the judges. Israel had no king; people did whatever was right in their own eyes. And the book of Ruth ends with the genealogy of a king. Not just the king of David, at least, at least that's what Ruth ends with. But if we were to flip back in the, into the New Testament and read Matthew chapter 1, we would see that that genealogy was not just the genealogy of an earthly king, but it was a genealogy of King Jesus. And I just love that so much. That what we're seeing is the complete gospel in this short, brief book of Ruth. It makes me want to do an entire series on the book of Ruth. Well, thanks for watching Sermon Redo. Thanks for dedicating and devoting your time to this. And again, I just want to encourage you, um, I want to challenge you to dig deeply into the text and be encouraged by what God has for you. I want you to know that I love you and I'm praying with you and I'm praying for you as you find your redemption in the person of Jesus.